Welcome back to the Price All Podcast with Meg Liggett of Leaf Labs and Leaf Raws. Meg, we're mostly going to talk about Leaf Labs here, which is a manufacturer that we have uh, found to be one of the highest quality manufacturers, contract manufacturers in the dietary supplement space. So Meg, welcome to the show. Um, I'd like you to introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about Leaf uh, and tell us a little bit about uh, you know, the sign behind you for those watching on YouTube as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, for all of you listeners out there, I'm Meg Liggett. I'm the head of our product development team here at Leaf Labs. We're a full turnkey contract manufacturer, dietary supplements. Um, we're based in Valencia, California, so about 30 miles north of downtown LA. So anybody that's interested in Six Flags, Magic Mountain, we're down the street. Come by, check out our supplements, and then we can go on some roller coasters. But um, I've been at Leaf for about eight years now. Um, Leaf has been around since 2008. And so um, kind of a little backstory about Leaf and kind of how we came about. Um, our CEO, Adele, he, his um, background's in biochemistry, and he started off um, at Natrol. Um, that's kind of where his kind of started into the industry. Um, he was a, originally in customer service, moved into product development, and then moved into quality. So kind of that's his background, and that's actually kind of the basis and the foundation of how LEAF functions, right? Customer service oriented, high product development, and high quality just because that's how he kind of grew up into the industry. Um, so Leaf came into fruition in 2008. Um, and, you know, what we kind of first started wanting to do back in the day was get our NSF cert. Um, and so for those who don't really understand, NSF is um, an organization that gives you your GMPs. And NSF is kind of known to be one of the toughest, um, you know, companies out there to give that um, GMP certification. So really early on, Adele wanted to get that going um, and to make sure that we're building out this organization with the basis of understanding that GMPs are kind of huge, right? And so um, that's kind of where a lot of that stuff kind of originated, um, really, really more deep into the background of product development and in quality. Um, and so kind of fast forward a few years, um, you know, we... What we were trying to do was really start into building out what um, what our footprint was going to be within the industry. Um, so more recently, kind of how we position ourselves is, yes, we have this beautiful facility. We have a lot of the uh, high-end equipment for encapsulation. We have a beautiful um, warehouse that has you know, temperature controlled, all of our packaging lines, et cetera. And that's all great. And that's all fun. Um, but a lot of our other competitors have the same exact thing, right? So what is the differentiator for LEAF amongst our competitors? It honestly is that we are a product development house that can take your ideas, make them come to life, and we can do all of that here. So it's like a one-stop shop. Um, so you come to me, I help kind of take your idea, I do all the formulation for it, and then we can do a full tune key. And then in a few weeks from our initial conversation, you'll get a product that you can hold and you can taste and you can try and you know bring it to market. So um, in a nutshell, what we like to position ourselves in is we are a contract manufacturer second. We're a product development house first. So you come to us, we take your idea and we make it come to life. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, you know, very big high overview of kind of like what, what Leaf is about. Okay. Uh, so when, when, um, when we talk to like a lot of supplement brands, you have certain people who are like the science side, they got the formulation down, but then you have some people who are just marketing and they definitely need help on the, on the formulation side. So it seems like right. those types of people make for really good partners and everything. I I'm assuming though, that if I, if I came in from the science side, I have a formula ready to go. 
I'm not going to need to pay as much money because I'm not going to take as much of your time up or whatever. Is that kind of how it would work? Like you don't yes, have actually, to have um, fun. Yeah. Good question. The difference is we actually, we don't charge you for your development. Oh, well, that's probably something you got to mention. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but let's So you'll formulate a supplement for someone if they'll manufacture with you. Like, is yeah. there's got to be some stipulations there. I mean, there is, you know, very small R&D fees as a deposit, but um, yeah, we're a development house. So if you come to us and we have this idea and we develop it for you, I mean, the expectation is that we're going to manufacture it here for you, right? Uh, but sometimes things don't work on. That's okay. I mean, you know, we we build this together, right, with our with our partners. Um, you come to me and Ben's like, Meg, I want a product, right? And so for me and my team and as a developer, honestly, the first question I ask as a product developer is, who's your customer? What do they look like? What's Who's your target demographic? What does your customer do on a Tuesday? What is their favorite thing to eat? What's their cheat meal, right? What, what does their weekend look like? Kind of start to build that idea of this picture and this mood board of like who it is that I'm developing for and how I can service you and then you can service your customer, right? And so that's kind of the first question that's always asked in, in the development phase. And so, you know, from, um, you know, our, our point of view, it's we're here to help support that. And then you come and we we will build it, the product together. They'll be like, hey, I, I do like this product out on the market or I, I like this one, but I don't like this part about it. Then let's make those tweaks, right? It's all about full customization here. Um, and, you know, if you, you come to us with this idea and our honestly, our, our my job and my team's job is to make that idea come to life. So can you talk us through uh, like a, a typical like. Ben comes to you and I, and I want to do, let's, let's talk about like just really easy, typical stuff. I want to do a pre-workout, you know? Um, I don't have a formula. I don't have, I, I, you know, I know very little. I just know I like energy pre-workout. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm an influencer that's looking to make a line for myself, but I don't really understand the industry. So I'm coming to you for your expertise. What, what are the first like couple steps look like? Yeah. So let's say you come, you find leaf, right. And you are probably talking to a sales rep, um, sales rep at leaf or really, um, involved in the industry. And so they'll kind of ask you a couple of questions and then they'll be like, all right, cool, Ben, let's go get our PD team involved, right? P- Leaf is our bread and butter product development and manufacturing. So let's get the PD team involved. So I'm probably the second person you're going to talk to or somebody on my team. And then that's when you ask the question, all right, Ben, what is it you're looking for? And you say, I want to make a pre-workout. Like, all right, do you have any idea of what you want in there? No, I don't really know formulation, uh, but I take them. So I'll be like, okay, who are you making it for? Those are my questions to you. Um, what does your customer look like, right? What is what is it that they're looking for? And then you start to give me some ideas of, well, my, my customer is probably, you know, like 25 to 35 years old, um, you know, probably working, goes to the gym, kind of active lifestyle, right? I'm like, okay, well, is there any things that they are not looking for? Like, oh, they're probably really focused and I'm like, I want it to taste good. I want to take this every day and be excited to taste it, right? I'm like, okay, so then is there, what are, what are they looking for? And you start to tell me like, oh, I like energy. Right. So then you start to ask a little bit more deeper questions that, okay, well, what kind of energy, what does energy mean to you? That is it energy focus is energy alertness is energy, um, you know, cognition. Is it, I want to be, uh, present or I want to be, you know, um, I want to feel this level of energy. So there's a lot of different questions that you can start to ask. And so then from there, I start to understand, all right, this is Ben's, you know, take on pre-workout, right? Cause there's so many different types out there. And you guys know, right, there's you know, the super stimmed out ones, there's the purely cognition ones, there's just the caffeine, there's zero caffeine, all natural, et cetera. So there's different routes you can go. So then you, as a developer, you kind of start to piece those things together just by conversation. So um, 
you know, I think that the way that we like to develop is building that, um, you know, storyline, right? Because if I can help you create a product that you can then talk about and create a story behind it, then that makes you fully engaged in it. And then the, the customer understands what is it that they're taking and why they should be wanting to take it. Right. So you mentioned the, one of the first things you said in this conversation was that you guys are NSF certified. Uh, that seems to be like a driving like like pillar of, of, of leaf. How does that affect this? What we just talked about, we're talking about ingredients stuff. I'm, I'm assuming that means you only use certain types of ingredients or how does that affect all this? Does it seem to be important to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we can, you know, definitely kind of dive into the manufacturing side a little bit. That's like where it gets really heavily involved is how we manufacture. Um, but of course, right, we're, I'm not going to develop an a product with you with ingredients that, you know, are not approved <laughs> for use within our, our industry or are not considered safe, right? Um, um, those are definitely some of the things that we look for in the development phase, of, of course. Um, but the NSF stuff, we can definitely kind of dive deep into that once we get into the manufacturing and, and like the quality okay. side of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as of right now, we're still talking in formulation, right? So let's say we finally get down to it. Um, I'll be like, cool, Ben, give me, give me a few. I'm going to put together a formula for you. I go source, maybe it's ingredients that um, we don't have. You know, we're using our contacts in the industry, using uh, raw material suppliers that we have already pre-qualified um, as approved vendors, right? And so, you know, kind of touching onto that idea that you have of like NSF, like ensuring that the people that we are working with in our partners um, are to the same level of standards that we have internally is huge, right? Because at the end of the day, it is about not just you guys as our customer, but servicing your your customer too and ensuring that we're creating products that are safe for everybody, right? Um, not only safe, but meeting all the requirements that is on the label and like actually giving you what you're paying for and things like that. So um, that's kind of the first piece is maybe let's go source some ingredients. Um, I'll get you some pricing and then I'll send you the quote. And you're like, all right, Meg, is it a little too much? Maybe we um, let's dial it down a bit. You know, this is where my price point is going to be. And then me and you can work together on, all right, let's talk formulation. Or maybe I can you know, start to talk to some of our partners and be like, all right, this is a great opportunity. Let's see what we can do here. Kind of get you within that range that makes sense for you guys as your as a business. Um, and from there, you're like, great. I love this. Let's, let's move forward, right? So that's kind of the PD phase, right? That first initial conversation. Um, formulation uh, development, but all this stuff is all concepts, right? It's all ideas. How do we get those ideas into something that we can then try? That's the next step, it's, which is the R&D phase. And so we get to R&D and I'll ask you, all right, Ben, let's say for your pre-workout, what flavor are you looking for? Banana. Banana. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so we already have pricing done before you've gone into the, uh, the flavoring? At least a preliminary price. Yes. Okay, cool. Right. I mean, Cheers. so yeah, how does that conversation go? So we know that a lot of companies say, I need, I want to make, I need to sell this for X dollars at whatever store. So we need to, they backtrack it in. Mm -hmm. And well, we need to develop this pre-workout for $10 then. Um, I'm guessing like if you have an influencer power lifter is going to be doing direct to consumer, maybe tossing a few tubs up on Amazon. I'm not sure like how much does price get into that conversation early on. Is I think to me, it's important because we see, Sometimes you see people who are formulating crazy supplements like, well, we want you to make money. Like, Absolutely. you know, like, so you, at some point you have to sacrifice some ingredients. So you have to like just determine how much your product's going to cost. You're going to get, you know, a rip off of it, obviously. And then mm -hmm. you have plastic, you have to ship it. All that kind of stuff has to go in. So um, it would be cool to kind of, yeah, like go through the, you, you can keep going. I, I would like to go through this pro pro process specifically, but yeah. um, in general, like, uh, 
I'm, I'm wondering like how much emphasis do you put on the price at first or is this something you just let the customer leave with and you might just uh, yeah. let it run with? It's definitely, you know, it's up there, right? Because <laughs> it, it needs to make sense, right? For everybody. Because I can develop a product and, you know, as a developer and, uh, you know, being heavily involved in the ingredient side too, you start to get really excited like, oh my God, this ingredient, the science behind here, I want to add this and this and this and this, any of this, all of these amazing ingredients, this formula, but you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way this could be viable as as a product on the market, right? And so it is that really an interesting balance. And I think that that's where um, we, we have to talk together as partners in this of where is it, Mike, that you're most comfortable being, right? And then where how do we balance that between a product that is what you're looking for versus the price point that you wanted to sell it at, right? And also the profitability and things like that come across. So, um, you know, I've probably developed in my time here at Leaf maybe over, you know, 500 plus products, right, that are on the market. And so um, price is always a big thing, right? And right next to demographic and then the who you're selling to. Um, so it, it does get really interesting because then you start to, you don't want to ever compromise your formulation for price. Um, but you at least need to understand how your formula plays a role in that uh, because it isn't just about formulation, right? Because, of course, there's manufacturing and labor costs that's associated to it, plus all your packaging components. Like, Packaging is actually, I think a lot of people kind of dismiss it a little bit, but it's a, it does play a really big role in the price that you have for a per unit cost, right? Like um, you know, fancy lids and fancying all these different things. There's, um, there's costs associated to them. Um, and then if there's any sort of additional, um, you know, labor that's associated, sometimes lids are, you know, a little crazy looking or they have this and that or whatever that may be, or like a fancy logo on the inside or on the top and stuff. And so, um, yeah, that, that is definitely something that we're probably the most of the time, uh, in the development phase, at least gets, um, discussed is around the price point. Um, and then obviously it, it does kind of matter about the volume that you're, that you're going to be ordering at and things like that. Um, those are all the considerations, um, uh, to have to you know, discuss through. Something else I wanted to ask is, uh, so you kind of mentioned uh, us who are excited about ingredients. There are really cool ingredients out there. And, you know, maybe I'm coming to you because I want to use some really interesting, wild ingredient out there or whatever. But, um, you know, obviously you guys don't stock everything. So if, if, if I'm looking for something very niche like that, is that something you guys will go source for me? Or is that something I need to kind of handle myself? No, absolutely. Yeah, we source it for you. So if you were like, uh, um, I want this ingredient. Or let's say it doesn't have to be an ingredient. Let's just say it's a requirement for your product, like um, Prop 65, for example, right? Uh, that's a that's a big one where you're not just sourcing ingredients, but you're formulating to meet specifications of heavy metal requirements. Now that's becomes very difficult because then you have to go source all the specific material at the specification that you need and then develop your product to it. Um, and so we'll source all those ingredients for you. Obviously, there we'd have to have those really clear conversations about, yes, we're not a warehouse right, of raw materials either. Um, and so there's that lead time is built into your manufacturing um, based off a lot of your raw materials. Of course, you know, there are standard lead times for raw materials. Some of them, though, can ex extend that lead time, right? Um, if you're looking for something where very specific lead requirements, then that might be a little more difficult than just getting straight glutamine, for example, that may be a little bit more commodity. Um, and so, you know, it, the, the formulation obviously does play a big role in not just your price or anything like that, but also in um, all of the procurement of all the ingredients and what that lead time looks like. Okay, you mentioned uh, Prop 65. So 
this gets into legal you know, avenues. Do you provide any like support in terms of that? Like from what I've heard from some people, just put the prop 65 warning on every tub <laughs> because eventually whatever, if your ingredient today doesn't have prop 65 warning on it, then eventually tomorrow it will be. And then you're going to get sued. So you might as well throw it on there. Like, would you ever say something like that or, um, or do you just like kind of go with what, you know, if someone's really trying to avoid putting a prop 65 right. warning in their tub, you're going to go with it. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. So, Prop 65, is and I, I live in California, born and raised in LA my whole life. Um, it's an interesting <laughs> requirement. But I think that, you know, um, how we approach it as a, a de, as a developer and as a manufacturer is, if this is a requirement that you have, let us know as early on, because it's not as simple as I want this certification. It really does come back all the way to the beginning of the formulation side, right? It's the ingredients that you're using at, and then how much of those ingredients are you using for your dosages. Um, so. We, we always support our clients um, in their testing requirements. So if they just wanted to test for heavy metals, you know, we do have like footnotes on all of our documents that say, you know, Prop 65, you know, it is the responsibility of the client. You know, if you are selling in California, just be aware that these are things. But if we do have a lot of clients though that are, I want to be Prop 65 compliant completely. And so those conversations are always had at the very beginning where I'm developing the product and I'm sourcing ingredients to make sure that they're going to meet those levels. And so um, let's say in Ben's pre-workout, he has some botanicals in there and he wants to be Prop 65 compliant. So at the formulation phase, what I do is be like, all right, from his formula, let's see all of these different ingredients. And then let's get all of the lead or all of the heavy metals, um, their specifications, and then I'll put into this calculator and say, all right, for his pre-workout, the daily dose will yield X amount of these botanicals. Of those amounts of, of those botanicals versus the specification of those heavy metals in the raw material itself, what is the total lead requirement there? Sometimes it could be a little higher, right? And so you have two options. You could either decrease your amount of material that you're using, that's one option, or you set your standards for that, that, um, that raw material itself to a smaller range of heavy metals. So, that's when that like sourcing thing kind of comes into play, right? Of like, now I got to go, if you, you had this, you know, let's say uh, bitter melon extract that you wanted. Um, and the, the limit that I have is no more than, you know, let's say two PPM. But in Ben's formula, that puts him out for lead. Now I got to go find the world of this very, you know, magical bitter melon that has only 0.5. And maybe it does exist. Maybe I found it, right? There's a place that can get me to that spec level the historical data comes out great. And I'm like, cool, Ben, I found it. However, I think that this the lead time might extend. So then we have those conversations early on, right? Um, in the development phase of like, we can certainly do this for you, but there are some risks that we that you, you guys can take on. Um, that's one route of it. The other side is, hey, you just want to know? Cool, we'll test it for you at your, at your finished good level. And then you guys as a brand can say, okay, based off of the results that I have, I can identify do I put stickers on it or do I just not sell this lot in California or et cetera, right? And so they, I think there's a lot of different ways. And I know that some companies, I think that they've even um, just put the logo or the warning letter like on the website. Um, like if you're shipping it to California and like their zip code. I know there's like different, you know, ways that um, some um, companies are kind of getting around it, not really around it, but, you know, informing the, the consumer in a innovative way. Gotcha. Okay. So that's awesome. You're definitely helping with a lot of the different sides of product development. I imagine with this, you're, you're this is a higher level of service. You got to have like, let's say for pre-workouts, a minimum order, right? 
like per flavor or how's it do you, and you know, numbers can obviously change. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to quote prices on a podcast. It's going to be around for, for five years or whatever, but can you quote us like what your minimums would be if, uh, for a pre-workout supplement? Like yeah. per flavor? Yeah. So typically, um, for powders, uh, we are around like 2,500 units is kind of our, our MOQ. Um, there's obviously some flexibility with that, depending on the partnership and the potential of the you know, the, the growth that we can have together as, as businesses. Um, that's kind of typical where that what we're able to accept. Um, and then for the capsule side, it's about the same. And so the tablets about, you know, per unit, but we can always have those higher level discussions. You know, that's the beauty of, of being a, a contract manufacturer, right? Um, you know, you're, since everything is so custom, um, you can't really approach everything exactly the same, which is, is that, good. Is that, per, is that per flavor? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, it so- makes sense. And you mentioned you mentioned tablets. So real quickly, you you have a tablet press, right? Yes. So we're fully um, we're contract contract manufacturer for a dry powder format. So we can do powders, capsules, and tablets. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So so eventually we we hone down this pre workout. Maybe we we should go through this exercise for real. I'm not sure if you want you want to talk about <laughs> manufacturing and stuff too. Uh, like we could use Ben as a pretend power lifter here. Well, he's not pretend, but as a power <laughs> lifter who's, uh, yeah, wants to get a, a supplement made, sell it on his, uh, on his little Shopify website or whatever. And, um, and to his audience and everything. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think it would be cool to use that as an example, but it mm-hmm. seems like, um, there's more to this process after you, uh, you get a formula nailed down rough estimate of cost is going to include Flavoring. Yeah. And I'd like you to, so I guess you got to get into sampling and flavoring and everything like that. So how does the, how does the flavoring work next or unless I'm skipping steps? Yeah. So you'll get your prelim cost and what that cost includes is your formula, um, your packaging components. Your formula obviously has like a a TBD price holder for your flavor system that we have yet to determine. Um, And then the manufacturing and the labor. And so that's what that preliminary cost is. Um, So then we'll move into our R and D and, that's where I'd be like, all right, Ben, do you have any preference on flavor for your pre-workout? Um, and let's just say Ben's like, I don't know. What do you think tastes good? Right. I, we get that a lot, like whatever tastes good. Um, and so as a you know, developer, the question is, well, is there something that you like or do you not like? And maybe he's like, I hate, what do you hate, Ben? Do you hate strawberries? Do you, do you not like oranges? Uh, I'm not a big fan of cherry, but I, cherry. I'm a big fan of mango. Mango. Okay, good. So now knowing that he doesn't like cherry, but he likes mango, right? And then that's a good starting point. But the one thing that, that is, needs to be considered is your product itself. Sometimes the flavor can't just be like, I like mango. I want mango to work. Sometimes your formula doesn't work with mango, right? There are some formulas and ingredients that work better with other flavors. Um, you know, in the sports nutrition world, there's a lot of like bitter ingredients, right? Um, and sometimes the way to mask a lot of those bitter ingredients is to go heavy onto, let's say, like a citrus or like go heavy into a tart flavor. And that can kind of mask a lot of those different things. Um, but if you're kind of working with ingredients that are a little bit more um, like creamy by nature, like maybe like an MCT, maybe you, you kind of don't want to you know, lean in heavy into like a like a lemon, right? Because then maybe it, it might not work very well. Or we kind of, you know, play it into a role of like maybe like a lemon, you know, um, pie or something along those lines. Um, so I think that the, the big thing that we always talk to our customers about is what's your preference? Like, what do you like and don't like? And then also let's be cautious about the formulation. Um, and what are the ingredients that can work well with some of those flavors? So, uh, there's a lot of really popular ingredients in the market right now. You don't have to single anyone out as trademarked or anything, but are there any (laughs) ingredients that you have dealt with 
that lent themselves in a certain direction or is there like anything you could share specifically on that? Yeah. So it's funny because, um, so I've been at Lee for about eight years now. Uh, when I first started, I actually started, um, in the R and D lab. And so I was flavoring, um, and it was probably about my, maybe like fourth day, honestly, it was like my, like really early on. And, uh, my mentor at that time, he had told me, Meg, it's really important for you to know what these ingredients taste like on their own. That way, once you're in the development, <laughs> you can always think about, as you're putting a product together, what it could taste like downstream once it does get to the R&D lab, right? Was this a hazing ritual or is this something you really Yes, <laughs> Mike. Oh my gosh. So listen. So um, I'm sitting there and I, at this point, I'm only, I've only been in the flavoring side. I haven't gone into the formulation side, right? It's like literally like my fourth day. And, um, you know, he's tr- having me try a lot of these ingredients that I was working on on their own. And at that time, we were working on a pre-workout and there was tea crane in there from Compound Solutions. And so I was, you know, trying all these different things. It was giving me easy stuff at the beginning, like creatine, glutamine, right? A caffeine. I'm like, all right, caffeine's better. That's fine. Whatever. Like I've had, you know, pre-workouts at that time before. And so then he gives me tea crane and it was literally like tea crane, a little bit of tea crane on like a tongue depressor. And he gives, he gives it to me and I put it into my mouth and I literally feel like I licked the side of the asphalt or something. It was like the most bitter thing ever. And I was trying to find something to chase it with, right? Just to get the taste out of my mouth. And the only thing I could find in our little break room was a Samoa, like those Girl Scout cookies. And so imagine having tea green and then eating a Samoa after. It was just like the most horrible experience. <laughs> Chocolate and coconut. Yeah, that doesn't really cover up tea green. Tea green's yeah. tough. Even though we said it was eight years ago, I was like, oh, this is going to totally be tea green. It was everywhere for a while. Um, I love dynamine too. (laughs) Oh, dynamine um, is like one of my favorite ingredients, actually. Like, we just recently did a product review um, on the Alpha Brain, the On It Alpha Brain pre workout. And Mm -hmm. I I love dynamine, such a cool ingredient. But yeah, a lot of those things are not very friendly flavor wise. And so you got to, you know, approach the formulation on the flavoring, um, you know, very strategically. And so, uh, well, when so, it comes to a lot of those, sorry. Yeah. So, so on that point, you like uh, you definitely bring up tea cream. Like, like what do you do to to combat tea cream? Like, how how do you? Yeah. What if I want? Good? We want a tea cream dynamine pre workout. What are you gonna do here? And like, we're we really want it, and we you gotta obviously try to make it taste as good as possible. Right. Any good tricks? Yeah. So, um, I guess the first question is, do you want this naturally flavored and sweetened, or is artificial sweet flavor and sweetened okay? We still dealing with power lifters, and I would say no. It's let's just send it, it on the sucralose. <laughs> there you go. That's that's the magic sauce, right? <laughs> that's kind of like your the the one thing that's like, all right, this is your saving grace. Um, it's a lot simpler to flavor a lot of those bitter ingredients with sucralose and a lot of those artificial flavors and sweeteners, right? It just masks a lot better. Um, and so, if it's a tea cream dynamine pre workout, um, honestly, if we add sucralose, I think we can we can do a lot with that. We can go really fruity berry flavor. We can go really citrus. Um, you can go in a lot of different routes there. You're just playing a lot with the acid levels. I would recommend to go like on the tart side. I think that that plays a really, it does mask a lot of those things. And you kind of I'll automatically kind of assume really tart things with slight bitterness in general, I think. Um, you know, I think that my go-to flavor that kind of like helps mask a lot of things is like a blood orange, like kind of sneak it in back there and you kind of don't really you don't have to call it out on your on your label or anything that's like a blood orange but that's kind of like one thing i like to throw in there because it kind of rounds it out a little bit where you kind of assume a little bit of bitterness and like a blood orange or like a grapefruit you know um and so you can kind of play on that i've done um some interesting ones where it was like a passion fruit blood orange type of flavor and then you can kind of throw in some of your mangoes and stuff like that like a tropical um 
but that's that's kind of the easier route as a sucralose. Let's say Ben's like, no, I need it to be all natural, all you know, all natural flavor sweetening, so it's only stevia. Um, that's where it gets a little difficult. Um, natural sweeteners, there's obviously a lot of different types of stevia, and so you got to like really play around with the stevia A versus stevia M and how much that you're using. Um, that gets a little hard. And so what we like to do here at Leaf is then to kind of tap into the experts that we have in our network, right? We'll talk to our flavor houses and say, hey, do you guys have a really good bitter masker that we can utilize? And then that'd be listed as a natural flavor anyways. And so then you're not just using your blood orange or your mango or your whatever, your cherries. It's those flavors, but also other natural flavors that can be labeled as natural, but do help a lot of it on that covering that like bitter notes and things like rounding it out a little bit um, because it does, it's a, it's a whole different ball game when you use natural, it's it gets a little tough. So with natural flavors versus artificial flavors, um, I'm a, I'm assuming you need more material for natural flavors. They sometimes add carbohydrates or whatever, or um, I, I, that's one thing I've been becoming interested in. I don't really fully understand, but yet how do artificial flavors work differently? Are they like just synthetic chemicals that were made in a lab basically? It pretty just happened much, yeah. to taste really good on the tongue? Yeah, pretty much. And then with the natural, there's like different levels of natural. Um, you know, you can have natural, which is, let's say it's a strawberry flavor that's natural. That would mean that you're making that strawberry, that strawberry flavor from extracts or compounds derived from strawberries. There's also natural made with other natural flavors, or they, we call it WOMP in the industry. Those are natural flavors. Like let's say it's a strawberry. It's going to have some strawberry, let's say ex, extracts or compounds and things, but also maybe compounds from like a lemon, but another natural source. So it's just like a blend of natural things, but all of that would can, you know, would be kind of categorized as natural flavors. And so I think because, you know, I'm not an, a compound or anything like that in the flavor world, but, you know, we use those already made flavors here at leaf um i know that it does get a little you know from one it's price that's a big thing right and the number two is you know a little bit of the um the way that it was processed okay cool yeah. so i don't have anything else uh, on that on that level like so moving on eventually do uh, people cool. are either going to fly in and do a day of sampling take up some hours of labor or whatever or you yeah. start shipping baggies out yeah what happens next exactly so Ben's pre's in the, in the lab, we're doing sucralose. The team's like, cool, we'll make Ben a, a mango, but let's just throw a cherry just for fun. <laughs> just see if we can convince him. And so we make a few different samples for him and we'll ship it out. And then my ass is always like, all right, hey Ben, love to get on a call with you. Let's kind of work through your feedback on the flavor. And then he'll say, hey, I actually really liked the cherry. <laughs> and he'll say, okay, let, what's our next steps on this one? I'm like, all right, cool, what about the mango? Like, well, mango was okay, but it didn't really hit. I'm like, well, can you give me some feedback, right? And he might say certain things like, ah, oh, the flavor wasn't strong enough or like it wasn't sweet enough. So those are some good feedback I can go back to my team. It's like, all right, if Ben said the flavor wasn't strong enough, not necessarily that I need to add more flavor, maybe, but also you can do certain other things like add more acid and that actually will bring out the flavor a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of some of the tricks that we'll, that we'll kind of utilize. The more feedback we can get from our clients, the better. I've definitely kind of gotten some of those where it'd be like, I don't know, Meg, it tasted weird. I'm like, okay, why? What, what, what was weird about it, right? Like, oh, it had like these, like, had a weird, like, taste on the back. It, it just, you know, I just felt like I tasted it and then I went away and it didn't really linger and stuff. So then you start to kind of pick up some of those um, nuances that the clients are experiencing. And 
then you start to have that better conversation internally with the team that is doing all of the benchtop work, right? You know, the, oh, it's, um, the flavor was there and then it kind of just stopped. It, maybe we can adjust some of the acids. Maybe we flip-flop the different types of acids, maybe more citric instead of more malic and different things. Um, or if the flavor wasn't like, it's, oh, it wasn't strong enough, add more or add less, or it was too much. Um, and so you can kind of play with the feedback that we get. So let me ask, uh, there's a lot of really incredible flavors in the market right now. And, and that's something that consumers, it's one of the first touch points outside of packaging. You mentioned first flavor, I would, I would bet is probably mm -hmm. the second most important here. Um, as someone who has created 500 plus products or helped create 500 plus products, uh, what would be your biggest tips on how I can create the best flavor system for my consumers? What is it that makes some of these, uh, you know, above and beyond other brands? Oh yeah. And that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think, Initially, first, it is kind of dialing into your formulation, right? And then also, I think the big thing that a lot of people maybe don't consider in the development phase is how much your flavor system contributes to your product itself, right? From like a price perspective. Um, so I think just kind of making, if that's, if your goal is like, I want this to be one of the top tasting pre-workouts on the market, like, okay, let's account for that. Right, it's not just I want tea, cream, diamine, I mean, all these interesting, you know, uh, flavor ingredients that are obviously do come at a cost because of all the science that you have that you can reference, et cetera, and all that stuff. Right, I think it's making sure that you you do build that into there, and then being mindful of your ingredients. Right, and so if you are going in and saying I want this to taste like this, and you're kind of working backwards, then formulate to that. Right, that's probably my biggest kind of tip there. And then once you have your formulation down, I think being flexible with your flavor if you have your formula locked in like if ben's saying like i i, I really want mango but maybe mango is not the right flavor for this and we're just spinning our wheels doing mango maybe you go into a blackberry lemonade right or maybe something you probably didn't even really assume it's another tip and then uh, the other thing I, I always talk about is your taste is it's a whole um it's a whole system right there's it's an experience it's not just what it tastes like on your tongue but it's the smell that you get it's the, the mouthfeel that you get, the way that it, you know, it is on your tongue, like the, the feeling that you have. I think that's also a lot of things to consider too when people are, you know, developing products. Um, it is to be kind of mindful, like, hey, you know, it is important for mouthfeel and what it smells like to be part of the, the way that you perceive product, right? You know, if, you, if people were to look at um, like a Gatorade, for example, right? It's kind of probably like standard, like, all right, this this tastes good, right? It's sweet and all that stuff. People taste it, but it's also very thick, but it's also because it has a bunch of sugar. You can't really mimic Gatorade if you're going to make an electrolyte product that is sugar-free without being like, all right, maybe we can add something for mouthfeel. Maybe it's like a, a, a like a gum blend, right, that can make it feel a little bit fuller and thicker because that is an experience of, of how people can perceive taste. Gotcha. Uh, I think a lot of people at this point might be wondering, did you go to school for this? Like before you took this job, did you, did you have any experience before you, like, cause you, you are, are, you articulate this very well, but just out of curiosity before we move forward. Oh yeah. No, it's um, actually, my story is really interesting. Um, and it's, people always talk about like, Oh, like, you know, how did you enter the industry? I feel like I honestly fell face flat into it. Um, so just for background, uh, my background's in biochemistry. Um, I went to Mount St. Mary's University here in LA, um, but I originally actually started out as a biology major and I was gonna go to PA school. That was kind of my initial plan. I'm Filipino, my mom's a nurse, my sister, everybody in my entire family, they're all nurses, and, but I just didn't wanna be a nurse, so I thought to go to PA school. Um, I did internship at UCLA and then realized that I 
did not want to be in the hospital. So I switched over to biochemistry, figuring out, oh, I'll, I'll figure it out. So I was biochemistry, math minor. And then I was about a senior or no, sophomore in college. And I needed a job because I wanted to, you know, help pay for my car, you know, have money to like go out with my friends and get food and whatnot. And, but the problem was I had so many units because I was a biochem major and a math minor. So I had to find a job that is either open really late or really early. And um, the one thing I could find was a gym because the gym would close at midnight. So I started working at the gym. I was just working at the front desk. Um, and at that point, I wasn't really like working out or anything. Um, but I started noticing that we were selling supplements at the gym. And so I was in school and at the front desk. I'd pick us on the supplements and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, all right, what is this thing, right? And I'm like, what? there are like amino acids in here. There's a coenzymes. And I'm like, I'm learning all of these things in school. But why is it in this jar that it says that it tastes like fruit punch or whatever, right? And so I kind of got really interested in it. And my brother started working out at the gym I was working at. And he had this pre-workout. And he's like, here, you should try this. And I'm like, all right. And it was, um, it was C4 because I feel like that's like the gateway pre-workout, right? And so I try C4. And I'm sitting at the gym and working out with my brother. And I'm like, dude, why, why is my face itchy? I'm like, why are my hands itchy? And I'm literally like trying to like scratch my like lips. I'm like, what is happening here? And he's like, Meg, just work out. It'll go away. I'm like, no. Like, and as a scientist, right? I'm like, well, I need to understand. Like, why? Right? And so, um, you know, fast forward about two years. Um, I'm a senior in my advanced biochemistry class, and I had to write a thesis paper. So I could basically pick any topic I wanted. And I actually wrote my thesis paper on beta alanine awesome. and how it affects the body on, like, a full biochemical level. So I wrote this whole, like, 20-page paper, did all this research on it. Um, and I got really, honestly, deep into this, and I got super, like, excited about it. And I swear to you guys, I'm not even lying. I ordered ingredients on bulksupplements.com. I shipped it to my mom's house and I was making pre-workout gummy bears in my mom's kitchen, like literally. And I like had like my whole little formula and I like was, you know, I Googled like, all right, what is in pre-workouts? Why do people have these so dosages? So I made this whole little like formula and looking back on it now, horrible, but it's fine. And I was making these gummy bears and I was literally going to the gym. I was taking them at the gym. And I had like a little lab notebook and I was taking my temperature and my heart rate and just like writing all of these things down. And like, you know, it's kind of like how I, you know, did a little case study of my own thesis paper. Um, but anyways, um, I finished that paper up and then I was sitting there thinking like, oh, this is, this was really fun. Like I really liked this, right? It was kind of like a clash of like my passions between like science and math and also like this idea of like fitness and health and like wellness and all this stuff. Um, and so I was thinking, like, this would be a cool career, right? But I didn't know what this place was like. Like, what is this industry, right? I was a biochem major. So either I was going to go mostly into medical school or pharmaceuticals or so, along those lines, right? That was kind of like the normal pathway for, like, a lot of the biochem students. Um, but nobody is like, oh, I want to work in the nutraceutical space at, like, eight years old. Like, no one says that. Nobody, no, no one even knows what, at that point, I didn't know what this industry was. Um, and so anyways, fast forward, I, I graduate, I'm still working at the gym and I'm, I'm actually going for in my master's degree, I was going to go into pharmaceutical science, studying for the GRE and all that stuff. And I was still working at the, at the gym, um, at that time. And one of the, um, trainers had came to me and, and said like, Hey, I've, uh, I heard that I'm working with this manufacturing company. I know that they're hiring. Um, and I, I heard that you wrote your paper on pre-workout. 
And I said, yeah, uh, what, what do they manufacture? And he's like, oh, they manufacture dietary supplements. And I was like, oh, really? That's interesting. I'm like, yeah, I wrote my whole paper on pre-workout. And he was like, yeah, they're hiring an R&D. And I'm like, what's, what's R&D? I didn't even know what that meant, you know? And so, yeah, kind of the rest is history at that point. I got an interview at LEAF. And honestly, I've, I've been here ever since. So um, it's, it's a really interesting story to kind of like look back on and reflect. Awesome. The beta alanine tingles <laughs> strike again. There's not, not a podcast where Nutribolt and Cellucor don't come up. It's just the <laughs> absolute legacy behemoth of the industry. And so, uh, yep, you got another yeah. one. Gateway. So yeah, it, yeah, you said it exactly right. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and I, I do tell people it. like, um, there's, there's brands who need, who want to like get really scientific with, with, you know, creative formulas. And sometimes I'm just like, you got to go find a biochemist who actually loves this stuff. I think that's where a lot of the innovation will come from. A lot of the most innovative players in this space are biochemists. And if you forced me to go back to school right now, it would be biochemistry without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah. it's cool hearing that you you have a, a biochemistry degree as well. Um, and, Very interesting uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're in school about it, like you don't really think about like, oh, all the different avenues that you can kind of take with the information that you're learning. Um, this one was definitely a lot, a lot of fun. So it's, I am definitely blessed to be here. So appreciate it. Yeah. As a, as an industry, we need to steal more biochem folks out of, uh, away from pharmaceutical manufacturing and drug, drug, Oh, and the yeah. pharma, you know, big pharma in general <laughs> and get them into supplements because that's that's where the real fun's at. I mean, we do get oh, a lot absolutely. of questions, though, of like, how do I like what do I need to do to get a job in the industry? Like what? Like, like I want to be a formulator. What do I where do I need to start? What do I need to do? Um, most of the time, I ironically tell most people to get a marketing or a business degree, because I think that a lot of people are able to pick up the, the data in this industry pretty quickly without needing. Absolutely. No, I'm happy you said that. I mean, that's such an interesting topic to talk about, right? Like, um, I think that's a, kind of what makes it leaf a little bit different, right? So we, yes, we have like my team, I have a team of 15 now. And all of our backgrounds are biochemistry, biology, food science, nutrition, like, you know, diet, I've registered dietitians on my team. So all of us have that that background of science. And you know, of, of course, approaching it from a scientific perspective makes a lot of sense. But the way you need to approach it is also from a business side, right? And so I think that's where leaf is, a little, is, is very interesting, because um, we actually don't report to operations. We're a sales and marketing function because we're so heavily involved with our customers, right? And uh, because we're so um, ideation and concept development forward, we have to think like not just a scientist, but because you can go, you know, we can talk about ingredients for like, oh, ever and ever. And you're going to put, well, we need this and this and this. But if it's $100, it's not going to make any sense. No, no one can buy it. No one can take it, right? And so you have to have that idea of like, how does it, your idea makes sense for from a business side and marketing, right? Because you also got to be able to educate the customers on why this product makes sense, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people formulate themselves out of uh, profiting, just as, as, a, as a base, but like uh, formula has gotten so popular and such a niche uh, echo chamber mm -hmm. in this industry that like uh, so much of the rest of the business, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many brands we speak to on a weekly basis that are brand new popping onto the scene because they enjoyed a pre-workout and they want to make their own, but they've never owned a business before. They don't really understand how a P&L sheet works. Um, right. So with all that in mind, uh, let's assume that we finished the flavor now, the formula is already done. Are we pushing to manufacturing now? Nope, not yet. Yeah. So this is where some of that um, NSF stuff comes in, right? And all of our GMPs and things. Um, so then my question would be, all right, cool. Ben's excited. He likes his flavor. Uh, my next question is, all right, do you have any requirements for your product, right? We talked about Prop 65 before, may not need it or you do want it. Let's say you want some sort of certifications like um, 
I want it to be non-GMO or gluten-free and things like that. There's differences between certifications where there's a certifying body, right? Like non-GMO project verified, or let's say it's organic, like organic certifiers, et cetera, or USDA organic. Those are all have full documentation that is required for that product to then get certified that way, right? So if that's the route Ben wants to go, totally fine. We have, we have to have all those documents regardless, just because that's how we manufacture. We, we can't have codes for materials that we don't have, we have pre-qualified. So we'll just send all those documents out to that to that third party, and then they'll verify and be like, "Cool, Ben's pre is great. It can have non-GMO project verified." Or you could just say, "Like, hey, I just want to have docu documentation review." Where Leaf, our internal QA team can look at your documents and your formula, and you know, from all the documents that we get from our supplier, say, "Yep, his thing." You can go ahead and claim uh, vegan on your label. Um, so that's kind of the that part of it. The next part would be, do you have any testing requirements? And testing meaning testing on your finished product, right? Do you want to validate any sort of testing? For us as an NSF certified uh, facility, we, we have to test your product regardless. There are certain things we need to test for. That's just part of our protocol because we need to ensure that we're producing uh, your product to the highest purity and potency regardless and safety. We always test micro regardless, but if you need it to be like, all right, well, I want to test my caffeine level or I want to test B6. We'll just put that onto, onto the requirements for Ben on his specification and we'll make sure that everything is aligned. And so your, your specification, your finished product specification is kind of our agreement to say like, this is Ben's product. This outlines his formula, uh, what it should look like, what it should taste like, you know, organoleptically, how much uh, serving size it is, his packaging components, and also all your testing. Regardless, we put micro always, but if he's like, oh, I want B6, we'll put all right, we want to test B6. We want to test it every lot or every other lot, or maybe just the first, lot. whatever the requirement is for you. Those, that is how we can um, kind of get really um, aligned and also have some sort of um, flexibility on it, right? Where it's like, oh, I only want to test it the first time. You can kind of customize all of your testing requirements. Um, so that's kind of that, that main document that binds kind of to ensure that us as a manufacturer is producing what it is that you're looking for. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is your supplement facts panel. And I think I'd love to kind of go into this topic a bit because um, you know, people are always like, oh, how do you read these things? And there's there's a lot of different ways you can go about it with the facts panel because obviously there are, the requirement is you need to list out what you have on your product. But that's kind of what the regs say, right? But you can kind of, there are different ways to go about it. People look at proprietary blends and like, what does that mean? You know, or like they talk about full transparency labels. Like, why is that better or worse than proprietary blends? Um, it kind of, it's all the brand, right? The, the, the brand will come to me and say, how, do, how should I make my label? Well, how would you like to? Do you want to, to list every single thing out with its amounts? Or do you want to like group different things? Or, you know, I, I sometimes I'll like to say to our customers, let's list everything out, but maybe we group it into areas. So that way a consumer can understand like, this is your blend for energy, right? This is your blend for hydration or your, your natural caffeine, you know, blend or whatever that may be, or your um, gut health blend. And so then you can start to put the ingredients into these buckets that kind of look um, easier to like a consumer to understand what those are, right? And so um, the requirement is to make sure that we list everything out, how we list it. Um, you know, we just have to follow the regulations. If it's a prop blend from like largest input to smallest input, um, you know, making sure all of your um, 
plant parts, et cetera, are listed out, your extract ratios and things. There's all those, those small little things, but we kind of work with the brand very closely on the supplement facts panel generation um, in making sure that, because this is what they're going to utilize to put onto their label. How often are you seeing proprietary blends versus transparent labels at this point? At this point, honestly, when I first started, there were a lot of prop blends. Now I, I don't see many, to be honest. But what I am kind of seeing a lot of is that um, prop blend that's transparent. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's a word, but you know what I mean? Where it's like the name is something, but still list out everything underneath it. Um, I, I actually really enjoy those. I think that for a consumer that kind of it paints a really good picture in a store without having to say anything, you know? Yeah, I think that consumers are becoming educated enough that they can read those panels and say they kind of understand you know, this is for this, this is for that. It, they're, they're not totally oblivious to ingredients anymore. Uh, but especially in today's day and age where there's a new ingredient every week, it helps, it helps you just kind of guide the consumer. These are for this thing. These are for that. Thing. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool with, with, so it's kind of funny with the proprietary blend you mentioned before with testing to make sure that things that are labeled on the product are actually in the product that way. If something is proprietary blend, are you testing differently because there are not yields on the label anymore? No, so we, we would still test it. Yeah. And so however is listed on there, if if it's in a proprietary blend, we, we would still either validate by input um, or you know, if we can list out on our supplement facts panel if you if you needed it. Let's say you threw caffeine in a prop blend or whatever into a prop blend and our ashwagandha and you wanted to test that, we would just list that out on our supplement facts panel. I mean sorry, on our finished product specification, if that's what you required. And that that's how we can kind of utilize that finished product specification in, a, in an interesting way for us to be able to communicate on what it is your requirement, even if your label is throwing everything into a blend. Awesome. That's great to hear. I, I've never been, kind of, I've been told before because of proprietary blends, you don't really have a label claim anymore. There's no, there's no dosage in there. So that's, that's really good to hear. Yeah. But we still have, you know, as a many, we still have to upload or up, um, uphold to what it is that we're telling you we're going to produce, right? Just because you threw in a prop blend doesn't mean I can just throw one milligram of everything in there and be like, yeah, it's a blend. <laughs> well, yeah. It's reassuring to hear you guys say it for sure. Cause, uh, <laughs> just because Leaf Labs says it doesn't mean the whole industry is doing it. So that's it, it, that's why I'm glad that we're having the conversation publicly is there aren't a lot of manufacturers that are talking out loud about this stuff. So that, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the first route would be, well, however your fax panel is, we'll put that onto your finished product specification. If you had any other requirements where like I need to test this one every three lots, we just pull it out, we put a method, we say how often, and then you report that out. So the finished product specification is essentially the template for your C of A. So once you do get that product at the end of it, we're just taking your spec that you signed off on, that I signed off on, our quality team signed off on, and just reported exactly what actually did happen. And um, you know, that's, that's, our, that's our responsibility is to ensure we're meeting your spec. Awesome. Okay. So we've gotten to spec on all these things. We've got our certifications in order. Um, are we manufacturing now? <laughs> yes. So now we have all of our specs and you signed off on your spec. And at that point, it'll move into manufacturing. Yes. Finally. <laughs> well, so uh, uh, let me ask labels, bottles, all this sort of thing. If I'm completely, you know, again, I'm only an athlete. I have no idea designers or any of this stuff. Are these all things that I can get done at Leaf? Or do you have like a, you know, a, a reference that you would send us to for label design or how does that work? Yeah. So bottle size, lid size, all that stuff will get um, determined by Leaf. Uh, we always, we have a, a requirement, you know, that for manufacturing efficiencies, like let's say it's your powder, we don't want it to be any more than like 75% full. It's kind of like our sweet spot. Um, and you know, that's, 
we don't want it to be like open up a bag of Doritos and there's like four chips in there, right? But we also don't want it to be super full because that just causes a lot of delays on our manufacturing lines, which means your product's gonna get to you a lot longer than you need it to be. Um, there are some ingredients that we can probably fill a little bit higher. We, we just have to do a lot of those tests internally first. Um, so we'll tell you, all right, Ben, it's gonna be a 12 ounce jar, you know, eight to nine millimeter lid. Um, we don't have a design team in-house, but we do have a lot of contacts in the industry that we can refer you to um, and also for them to print your label. Um, and our customers kind of work different ways. So can e they can either supply the label on their own as a customer supplied material, um, or we can procure it for you on your behalf. Um, but the artwork does have to come from you guys, and it just has to make sure that it's uh, signed off on by us beforehand before you print we just want to get another verification from our regulatory team right that that you do have the right supplement facts metal on there you're not claiming some crazy certification that we never went through right where it's like yeah i'm claiming non-gmail project verified and we haven't even done doc reviews we want to make sure a lot of those things right because um, you got also got to imagine right maybe our, our customer is a really great marketer or our customer is does really well on youtube and you know all that stuff they have a great following and they're like, oh, well, so-and-so has this, you know, logo. So there's a butterfly and it looks great. Let me throw this logo onto my label. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. We, we got to like take a few steps back. So just kind of like a final check before you go and print out, you know, 5,000 labels, 10,000 labels and ship them over to Leaf. That's uh, nice. Can... Seems like it could reduce a lot of headaches, uh, potentially legally from people later on. What about made in the USA? How, what is your, your stance on that? If I just want to slap a made in the USA American flag on there. Uh, manufactured is kind of how we, we can say like, you can say manufactured in the USA. Made in the USA would be a lot difficult because we'd have to um, do all of the uh, country of origin composition and all that stuff for the individual ingredients. And that's all needs to happen at the development phase. That makes it a little bit more difficult from a sourcing perspective and stuff. Um, but we've done it before. Not the easiest, but yes, we, we have done that before. You've done a product where the entirety of all the ingredients were made in the USA? And there's like two ingredients mixed up a little simple. I was going to say, I can't, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I look out for the <laughs> made in USA and I have, I can yeah, think like, of one We company. have like one ingredient too, yeah. But it's, yeah, the, it gets a little <laughs> difficult. So we always say manufacturing in the USA, we are based in California. We don't have another, any other manufacturing facilities. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good question. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh. This this will change. Like what what are, it, right now? It's summer of twenty twenty three. What are your lead times for a a run of five thousand pre workouts? Yeah. So as of right now, for powder and capsules, um, we're looking at about an eight to ten week lead time. Okay. Um, but that does not include your development, though. So just that is from the time that you place your PO. So development phase can kind of vary. Um, I always say, on average, you're looking at maybe about two months, you know, to four months of development, depending. Uh, capsules are a little bit simpler in general. The development phase is very quick. Um, you just tell them formulation. We do a feasibility tests um, bench top to make sure it does fit in the capsule. And then you can kind of, we move into the documentation side and all that stuff. Uh, but with flavors, you know, preference kind of um, comes into play. And so sometimes with, if the flavor development takes a little bit longer, let's say, you know, I'm shipping samples out to Ben. I'm like, it's like, yeah, Meg, it's not hitting. I'm like, cool, can you just fly to Leaf? Come over here, come hang out with us for a few hours. We'll knock it out. Let's just, let's just get that flavor system kind of going. I'll, I'll have Ben sit right outside the R&D lab. My team will kind of bring samples to him back and forth. He can give us live feedback. We'll iterate for maybe like two hours and then with the intention that we'll, you know, lock in that flavor profile and that way we can kind of start moving into that lead time. Awesome. So we hit go 
and it's all running. What do I expect? Do I not hear from you guys for eight to 10 weeks? Uh, and I get a really nice email that it's being shipped to me. <laughs> like, what's the process here like? Yeah, no, good question. A lot of our customers kind of work a little different, um, but we do have an account management team. So, you know, I, I think I told you at the beginning, you're probably talking to a sales rep. And then you probably talk to me or a product developer would go through all that whole process. The second that you want to place your PO, you get looped in with an account manager. So they're going to be your person that's like there for you throughout your whole uh, manufacturing lead time. So then they'll kind of give you a lot of updates. Some of our customers are a little more hands-on. Some of them um, are like, hey, just let me know uh, when I need to give you my label, et cetera. So we do keep it you know, heavily involved, especially if you're going to be supplying anything. Sometimes our customers will supply packaging components, right? Let's say they have a custom lid or things like that. They have good relationships with overseas. Um, we do want to make sure that we're keeping up on timeline. So kind of checking in here and there. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, we're very, you know, hands-on. We're At the end of the day, you guys are our customers and you want to be able to check in. Like I know when I buy things on Amazon, I'll be like checking the tracking info like, oh, it's five stops away. I'm like, cool, great. I need my package. I'm looking for it, right? So, you know, we obviously can't, we don't have that yet. So your AM, your AM person is going to be kind of your go-to. Cool. So product finished running. Um, what kind of things happen between the product finishing and it getting to my warehouse? Yeah. So actually during that manufacturing, there is a, a lot of, that happens, right? Especially for like all of our GMPs and stuff. So you place your PO, you know, we're telling you like, all right, I need your label, you know, four weeks before your due date, make sure you get your, your jars in four weeks before your due date, whatever that looks like uh, based off our current lead time. Um, and at that point, once your order is submitted, that's when the whole operation kind of starts moving, right? We start to run uh, material resource planning where we're going to say, all right, Ben's product requires this much caffeine, this much diamine, whatever it is. Uh, and we need it on this date because this is the date that it is. And uh, we know that dynamine's lead time is X. So we need to make sure we're going to be ordering when we need it and to, for it to arrive on time. But every single time that they place a PO for a raw material or even a packaging component, we need to have a specification because I promised Ben I'm going to give him his product with the spec that he signed off on. For me to do that, I need to uphold all my other uh, partners to the same level that he's upholding to me. So I'm going to send them a specification for every single ingredient and every single component and they're going to ship that to Leaf. It'll get held at quarantine um, for a release. And so that's kind of where a lot of our GMPs kind of started to play, right? The second that we get into the manufacturing, that's where all of, you know, all of the regulations are kind of very strict. There is really no in between there, right? In the R&D lab, it's a lot of fun games and things like that. And of course we have our, our standards within the lab, um, but it's very different than what's happening on the manufacturing floor. Um, so the material comes inbound and it has a, a quarantine and release. So what happens is the quality control team will get the C of A and a sample of the material that's here. And we have a standard, which is our specification. They're ensuring that whatever we received is matching our spec. And that's how we can ensure the highest level of quality and potency for that ingredient, right? We will not receive anything in unless it upholds to our standardization. And that's just black or white. Um, and that's how we can make sure that we're going to be producing Ben's product appropriately. So okay. that happens for every single ingredient um, and every single component. We make sure that we test micros for identity every single time. Um, if he had a Prop 65 um, requirement, right, then we handle those a little slightly different. We won't release anything until we get all of those uh, heavy metal re results back. So it kind of just depends per product, but everything is 
tested uh, to uphold a, a so, any sort of standardization and specification. Um, once that is all kind of um, brought in for Ben's product, then we'll go into what we call our um, kitting phase. So we're going to pull all the ingredients for Ben, and we're going to stage it. Um, this is to produce his, you know, 5,000 units of his mango pre-workout. All of that stuff then goes into um, kind of like it's like a big palette that's everything for Ben, and then all of that goes into a weighing. So we're weighing out exactly the amount of material that Ben needs for his product. Um, no, there's obviously going to be very, very strict amounts because we're trying to hit label claims, right? And so it's not just like, eh, that looks like 10. It's 10.123, whatever the numbers are. Very strict sign-offs. Um, that's where all your GMPs kind of come in is making sure that you are putting in what you're saying you're putting in. There is a sign-off and there is a checkpoint. And these are laws cases. that are like on the uh, federal codes of re regulations and everything. So we can, we can link to that in the show notes because a lot of people always, this is the way we are in DC kind of combating. This is, uh, you know, some yeah. people think it's unregulated. It's like, no, this manufacturing uh, stuff is extremely well-regulated and uh, beyond the, the, the regulations, the guidelines that they have. Um, you could even look at the documents of when they were discussing how to create yep. these. And there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of nuance to it. So absolutely. Um, I mean, I yeah, think that's like a big topic, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, I heard that you guys are there. That's awesome. And I know that uh, Adele was there as well, um, our CEO here at LEAF. So, um, you know, it's important to kind of educate, I think, the world, right, that, yeah, there's this stigma like, oh, are those, is this even real? Does it work? You know, it, does it, are you even regulated, et cetera? Like, no, we're highly, highly, highly regulated, right? There are sign-offs everywhere. There are requirements at all of our stages. Now, what if a mistake was made in the manufacturing process? You put in a sleep supplement instead of caffeine or something crazy, 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 crazy happened. There's got to be like, there, there's a whole FDA process for recall and everything too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm, I haven't heard of any recalls coming out of leaf. So that's the good <laughs> news. What would you, would you have to like take that one on the chin a little bit or, or who's, who's ultimately like, okay, let me back it up. Per the law, the brand is responsible for, you know, for following the laws and everything. Um, and I don't know like where the manufacturers get involved or anything, but I would assume that Leaf would have to take some responsibility, even though per the law, it's kind of like the brand's responsibility, isn't it? Yeah. So um, from my understanding of it, uh, I think what ends up happening is that let's say if you're a brand, yes, you're responsible. And I, but I think that the next step is, well, where did you get this produced from? And then going to that facility and then running through an audit on that facility to ensure, are you upholding all your you know, uh, requirements? Um, if not, here is your corrective corrective actions to make sure that you do that, right? And I think that that's the good thing about it all, right? Is yes, it's the brand's responsibility, but also it is the responsibility of that manufacturer to ensure that they were doing all of these things. And if they're not, then you need to know where you're going to make those adjustments because at the end of the day, it is about the safety of our consumers. Right, definitely, and that, that's why we're talking. Like one of the things that I think is a it's a huge thing. Just looking back at the industry in general is like when we see the FDA sending warning letters or playing whack-a-mole with like small brands, it's like, that's not, that's not going to solve any problems. Like you know, there's manufacturers who are willing to do things that are not by the books, by, like by any means. And it's making the mm -hmm. entire industry look bad. And we never see any like enough, uh, enough enforcement at that level. And that's, that's kind of where I always preach. So I like talking to the good manufacturers because we want to, we want to advertise that, um, no, this is, this is regulated, but you have to, you have to follow these rules 100%, and yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, okay. So you're, it's getting one, one last thing. So when you're talking about like pulling ingredients and getting things in, 
I assume you're you're sitting on like buckets and barrels full of caffeine and citrulline and creatine and everything like that. You don't necessarily need to like, if it's standard caffeine and hydrates for Ben's pre-workout, I'm assuming you don't need to order more really. You already have a ton of like certain ingredients. Is that right? Yeah. Or? So that's the, that's the thing is, you know, we're also not a warehouse and right. we also want to make sure we're producing product that will um, have its stable shelf life too. So I don't want to be putting in caffeine into Ben's product that I've had sitting for X amount of years, whatever. Right. So we want to make sure that you know, we are using in materials that are within their shelf life, right? Their the expiration date, et cetera. And obviously I have different ingredients. I have different shelf lives. And the second that I make Ben's pre-workout, that's its own ingredient that will now need to have its own shelf life, right? But to ensure that we are meeting all of the necessary requirements, we need to make sure all of those ingredients are within their shelf life. So of course, yes, there, is, there are ingredients that will we have um, what we call blanket purchase orders with, or like make sure that we have safety stock for, like you know, typical things like, let's say mag magnesium stearate for capsules or MCC, or like sucralose or stevia, right? Where we're ordering often enough, that way we never are like, oh, our missing ingredient is sucralose or whatever it is, right? Um, but for the most part, everything is ordered appropriately, um, you know, to ensure that it's, we don't have too much excess. Uh, and also that the products that we're using are using, or that the products we are making are using ingredients that are within their um, expiration. So I love that we're getting nitty gritty on the manufacturing. I did not expect to do that in this, in this uh, podcast. So um, speaking on like uh, guaranteeing doses, guaranteeing the quite the right products in there, um, in my past in manufacturing, my understanding is uh, from what you were kind of describing, when you have that palette of ingredients just for my pre-workout, you're weighing out like literally to the exact gram of how much is going in the facility and there's nothing else going. So there's no possibility of a mess up happening, correct? That's what you're saying? Yep, because I'm making a, a kit specific for Ben. Right. So And then that's going to travel into the weighing and then there'll be its own sack and then travel travel into blending, right? And then... Right. So it's kind of interesting. So Mike was kind of bringing up the CFRs before. The CFRs say basically that you have to be able to guarantee this somehow, but how you do it is based off of those SOPs, the GMPs that are coming from maybe NSF or sometimes, uh, you know, you learn from other manufacturers or something like that. Um, what kind of processes do you have in place so that like, are, are there, do you have double initials on each one of those things? Like, like, what do you guys do to guarantee that, you know, that all this stuff is being done? Because obviously, you know, you, you have a, a number of workers in manufacturing, you're not the person mm -hmm. down there doing that. Right. Um, you know, how do you guys ensure all of that? Yeah. So double signature is absolutely right. Cause it'll be someone that's performed by and then verified by, and then that stage also has a sign off by a supervisor or like a lead um, at, at pulling, at weighing, at blending and packaging, et cetera. That way there are all those different checkpoints. There's in-process checks as well, like during packaging, right? So like, let's say I'm packaging Ben's um, pre-workout and it's supposed to be, let's say 310 milligram or 310 grams per jar. We're gonna make sure, you know, during the packaging process, we're weighing out a jar, you know, at the beginning, in the middle and at the end of the run. Um, so all those in-process checks, um, you know, for certain things. but always during um, blending, when we're done blending Ben's pre-workout, we're taking a sample of that and then that's when we're sending it all for testing based off of your spec. So you'll have your, unless you're like, I don't, I don't have any requirements for, for testing, we still have to test something. So we're gonna either test maybe a B vitamin or an active ingredient, um, we'll send that out for testing, we'll test always on micro um, and only then when we get all the results back with your CFA are we able to release your product to you. Okay. So That's on those, because we have to make on all those little doses, like what, 
I know the answer to this question, but I, I have to ask you so that we can explain this to people. Uh, what are you guys doing so that those actual doses are, are coming out right? Are you adding a little bit more to make sure? Or like, what's what's kind of like the tolerance there? What do you guys think? Good question. For? Yes. Now, yeah, there is a little bit of overage um, to account for loss um, on the individual ingredients themselves. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so that's something that across the entire uh, formula you're doing to make sure that everything. As a, as a biochemist, how do we have loss? What is what what is actually is it <laughs> yeah? Going so there's loss in like space? manufacturing, right? When we're we're blending. It. So let's say he wants a five thousand jars, right? I'm not going to put the exact amount of five thousand jars, just slightly over to let's say we're going to produce, you know, five thousand one hundred fifty jars, for example, right? And then maybe we'll come up at five thousand and ten or something, right? Depending on either the loss on the powders, the loss on the jars, or let's just say like, oh, maybe a couple labels didn't, you know, fully um, sit well, right? So then that one has to not include it in the shipments so and that one's put under um, a free quarantine, et cetera. Gotcha. Okay. I misunderstood yeah. that. <laughs> and are you doing anything? Yeah. But at the, Sorry. Yeah, at the um, formulation phase, uh, you can also add overage to ingredients. Um, so for example, like some of your um, vitamins, might you might want to add a little bit of overage because maybe they're a little volatile right and mm -hmm. that they just to make sure you're hitting their shelf life so like for example like vitamin d3 you might want to add maybe at least 15 percent overage on that and those in, those inputs are so small you're not going to really see a difference um but there are certain ingredients like maybe a caffeine you might want or a, like a creatine might want to add like a one percent to two percent um increase or like a magnesium bhb for moisture maybe a two percent increase um, on overage uh, but your label claim is still the same. You're not adding like more for your to your label. You're just inputting a little bit more to make sure you're hitting your label claim. So, uh, concerned uh, new business owner, am I paying two to three percent more for those overages, or is that like how does that, you know, is that all factored into my cost? Yes. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Yep. Uh, Cool. Well, I, I, yeah, I wanted to make sure we, get, we talk about all these things. I think that there are a lot of hesitant people, right? There's been a lot of news recently of counterfeit, adulterated. Uh, you know, we had an indictment in 2019 for the ABH out here in Long Island where there was a manufacturer mm -hmm. making stuff that was completely bunk. I think there are a lot of people that are concerned. Like, how do I know other than Meg telling me that everything's quality? How do, like, what, how do I know this is all there? So I really appreciate you getting granular on that. So yeah all of these things go no, i mean on. i think it, it is good to just you know get to know ask the right questions right like if you don't i think that's probably the big thing and I, what you know people like you and even leaf and like are beyond the subs podcast and stuff like our main goal here is to educate right we we want the market to be bigger let's let's share the knowledge i don't want to keep all of this stuff here let's let's talk about these ingredients and why they work and how we're regulated and that these products are safe for you right i, I think that's like a the, the number one thing that, that we all have in common is um, the more that people know, the bigger this can get. And, you know, at the end of the day, at least for me, um, I really enjoy supplements and kind of like what I do for a living because at least I'm, I'm being a part of this process where people are empowered to take their health into their own hands. Right. And if I can be a part of that and help you help develop that product that got you to the gym or, Help develop the product that you know made you sleep better at night. That way, you can wake up in the morning and go crush the day. I'm 100% there for it. And if you know, got to educate you know um, the world about why supplements work for you. Yeah, let's talk about it all day. Love it. Okay, so uh, we've done all this manufacturing. The testing comes back satisfactory. Uh, are we shipping the product now, or what, what kind of steps are we looking at here? Yeah. So once the testing comes back and we get your C of A and all checks out, right? No out of specifications or anything like that. 
um, we will kind of be like, all right, Ben, this is this is ready to go. Where, where are we shipping this to? Um, a lot of our you know customers um, have maybe they sell on Amazon and so or they sell direct to consumer. Um, so we have the flexibility of shipping. Let's say Ben wants five thousand to his three PL, this thousand to another Amazon fulfillment center, and then. 500 to his house or whatever it is, right? And so he's got to let us know. That's when your account manager gets in and says, all right, what's your requirement on where you need these things to go? Um, and we kind of just, you know, we can either schedule the shipment for you or you can schedule the truck to come. Um, you know, we, we just got to get, stay in clear communication on that. Awesome. And yeah, there are also some um, products that we develop that we ship overseas. Um, and so obviously like if you're shipping to different countries, um, they may have different requirements, right, for documentation or even um, formulation, right? Like in, in general, like what is in the product? I need the documentation for that. Like Health Canada is uh, very strict about their testing requirements. So we got to make sure we put all of those things on their specifications. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot when it comes to shipping uh, that we need to talk about the, at the as early on as possible so we can make sure we're making the specifications to those requirements. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's probably important to know if they're sticking in America or going international, because even something like caffeine and hydrous, you might have to go to natural caffeine sources, for instance. Um, we haven't yeah. talked, to, I meant to say biosomal caffeine, which you have on your other side uh, at, at Leaf Raws, which I, I'm a big fan of that ingredient. So looking forward to getting that in some sort of pre-workout soon. But um, either way, it, yeah, so back to my point, uh, it, knowing early if you're going to go international is going to make a huge deal because that could change the, the formula completely. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, the, even the way that their label looks is different. So, you know, we got to mm -hmm. make sure that we're creating a part number specific for that. Even let's say the formula works out to be able to ship in the U S and in Canada, the labels may be completely different based off the requirements within that country. So we just got to know like, all right, Ben's going half and half Canada, U S and we got to make those part numbers appropriately, make those specs appropriately. So talk to us about Leaf Raws. So you have you have this whole yeah. manufacturing side. And you've also got a few ingredients here. How does that play in? You know, how many of these have you been involved with? Talk to us about it. Yeah. So Leaf Raws is a, is, is such a fun fun story. Um, you know, as you kind of got getting to know, we're obviously heavily involved in the development side within our customers, but also within the industry, right? So if we're going to position ourselves as, hey, we're a product development house that can do all these things for you and have good innovation and brainstorm sessions together, then we got to stay up on trend of what's happening. Um, that's the best way we can service our customers. So we were able to do a lot of that stuff. And obviously we work very closely with um, either raw material suppliers in the industry or even other manufacturers in the industry. And so we start to get good insight of like, hey, what is trending and stuff? And so if we're a service-based contract manufacturer, what's the best way for me to service my customer other than to manufacture for them and develop for them, but also to say, hey, these are ingredients that I'm also seeing trending in the market and I could use it in products for you now, but also I can go to my friend down the street that also manufactures products and say, hey, here's some ingredients that I can sell to you as well. Um, that way everybody can benefit from some of these things. And so the, how it kind of first came about and the idea was uh, we were seeing a really big increase in requirements for all natural ingredients and uh, like natural base excipients. And so no more magnesium stearates or silicas and stuff. Um, and there was this one big player in the industry that was kind of doing that, right? Like organic, clean label excipients. Um, having some struggles from a supply chain side on that, which meant that we weren't able to, to service our customers to the highest level. So the only way that we were figuring out to do it is, well, why can't we do it too? So that way we can service our customers to 
our standards, right? So um, we developed our Flowly line. Um, that was actually one of the first ingredients that came to Leaf Raw's line. Um, they're rice, organic rice-based excipients. They have, we have different tiers of them, and each of them are formulated very specifically for different functionalities. Um, so when it comes to excipients for capsules, uh, based off of the formulation, you would either need something that's a little bit more lubricant or something to take out more moisture, right? Or maybe the capsule is a little empty, you just got to fill it. So there's different re reasons that you need an excipient. Um, so we developed a line of organic rice-based excipients to solve all of those problems, um, but also made it so that way we can be a part of the supply chain uh, with, a, with our customers as well. And then sell it to other, other people who are having the same request from their clients too. So that was, um, that's kind of our, our initial jump into the, the raw material side. Um, the next one, I think I was telling Ben about it last time I saw him, um, was um, Oatsy. So Oatsy's are, um, are, are oat milk powder. And this idea kind of just came out because um, I haven't drank regular milk in a few. Um, and I thought about it like, well, Oat milk is everywhere, right? You're seeing a lot of oat milk. Starbucks bought oat, Oatly at that time. Is it Oatly? Oatly at that time. And you're seeing it everywhere. And so I thought, well, why can't we get that into a powder form? And then now we can put it into um, our customers' products. Um, and as somebody that started on flavoring, I always think about how uh, when I make my, my protein shakes at home, I use milk. And it tastes so much better than when I use water. Um, so why can't we use that as an enhancement for the flavor system as well of to add that level of creaminess without adding, you know, uh, and add, having some sort of benefit to it as well, not just like a gum or things like that, where you're having a little bit of more carbohydrates or fibers, et cetera, what are fats. Um, and so I developed our um, oat milk powder. And so a lot of these things were literally just coming from ideas within our team, right? We had our uh, marketing communications director her and all her friends are doing uh, celery juice, but she's like, you know, it's kind of, it's a pain in the butt. You gotta like juice it. You get like one full stock, you get like this much celery. Like, you know, why can't we make this a little bit simpler? Not a lot of people have a juicer or have the time to want to juice or want to buy a, a bunch of celery, right? And so why can't we just make something that's accessible to everybody? And that's how we came up with our celery juice product. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun because it's just how our culture is here at LEAF. It's just a lot of ideas and everybody's like always kind of thinking forward, but it's because we're so deep into this lifestyle that it just kind of makes sense. Like it just comes organically, you know? And so um, that's kind of how a lot of those, those ideas started out is like, we have a, a problem, let's find a solve for it. And is there an innovative way for us to plug into that? So those are two, uh, what, what I like about LEAF Raws, those are two like I don't want to call them commodities, but it's it, it, they're they're not like you know trademark patented uh, special technologies. They're just little things that add to the experience for your consumers. Now you also have some other things like your caffeine, your biosomal caffeine that are a yep. little bit more function based, like whether it's it's yes. unique on its own. How did you start coming up with those? Yeah, so um, how the idea actually came about was we were in COVID times, and then we were seeing a lot of. Um, like that liposomal technology come out of like, oh, it's, um, you know, encapsulated vitamin C and things. And I'm looking at these labels and it's like, oh, they have ascorbic acid, MCT and uh, like sunflower or something. I'm like, as a biochemist, I'm like, you can't just add fat and make a, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, it's, you have to actually yeah. make this, this lipid bilayer, et cetera, that's encapsulated, that becomes a hundred percent absorbed. Like it, it, it 
didn't make any sense. So we were like, oh, that's, that's unfortunate um, that those are how people are marketing some of their things. So we want to do it right. And we want to do it with an ingredient that we knew would be utilized widely amongst multiple um, uh, amongst multiple parts of the industry, right? Because a lot of people take caffeine in general. You don't have to be just in health and wellness or just in the sports nutrition space. Um, caffeine can be used and widely used. So that's the ingredient that we picked. The technology is something that we can expand into other ingredients, but that's the first one that we chose. Um, knowing that it's, it is something that people are maybe are, are taking, not really quite understanding that when you take caffeine and hydrates, you're not having the full effect of it, or maybe you're, you're losing some of it, et cetera. And you're, you know, there's a lot of different um, innovations around caffeine. Uh, the idea of you doing the biosomal was to be 100% bioavailable. Cool. So that's, it, has this inspired like a whole new search of new ingredients for you guys? Like, is this something that you, like, like how often are you working on new ingredients for that side? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we want to, you know, keep exploring and adding on to. Um, what we've um, started to kind of to look into is, um, you know, what is happening outside the U.S. and then kind of trying to see if we can bring that in. Um, I know that we've like attended like the Vita Foods Asia show and the European show and stuff like that and kind of seeing obviously like the U.S. is, is different when it comes to some of the ingredients that we're able to use and things. And so kind of looking outwards is kind of where we're getting a lot of our inspiration as of right now. Um, we have so, a few things coming down the pipeline. So maybe next time we'll talk about those. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. It, it seems like a lot of your stuff is um, more on the organic side, more natural. It's, it, it's a, it seems like your company kind of leans in that direction. Like Flowly, F-L-O-L-I. I wanted to, to reiterate that. And so that, that's an organic rice type powder. I believe, and I'm not sure if I'm on the wrong website anyway. Now I'm on leafraws. This is leafraws.com. We also have yeah. leaflabs.com. Um, do you have something? Is there something special about the uh, the tablets? I've, I'm I, I'm interested in making a tablet. Yeah. So, um, Good. I'm glad you asked. Right. Right. Is there is there a uh, something about like organic or something like that that's special about your process? Or I I didn't fully understand that. Yeah. So. A little separate from leaf Roz. So leaf Roz is our raw material line where leaf utilizes those ingredients. So basically leaf labs is a customer to leaf Roz. And then you could be a customer to leaf Roz if you're, let's say a, a manufacturer or whatever. Um, our organic tablet and our premium line is part of our leaf labs um, offerings for our customers. Two separate companies. So we yeah. have um, a premium line of ingredients that are essentially, um, I guess they're kind of like private label, but we don't, ever stock anything here. Uh, but there are already pre-developed formulations that we can then offer to you. Like if you're like, hey Meg, I want a tablet and I want it to be organic. Obviously organic tablets um, are very difficult to make. There is, there's not that many organic tablets on the market just because of all of the science that needs to come behind, the compressibility of the ingredients, et cetera, and like the friability of the tablets and you know, the disintegration time and things are, there's a lot to consider there. And so it gets very difficult with just natural organic ingredients, but we uh, do have a full product lineup of already organic certified tablet formulations. Um, those are on our Leaf Labs uh, website as well. Um, and then the other offering that we have is the uh, gummy line. So we don't have a we have a really good partner that we work with. We don't do the gummies here um, on site at Leaf Labs, but we have a partner that we work with to develop all of these gummies that are kind of already pre-formulated and kind of ready to go. Uh, but we just we essentially wanted to be like the one-stop shop for our customer where Ben's like, yeah, Meg, I want you to make my pre-workout, but I also want a tablet and I want a, a gummy 
And, um, you know, I, I wanted to be just work with just Leaf Labs, kind of make it a lot simpler where you just, you know, have one stop shop, don't have to worry about this vendor and then this place and having to talk to this account manager, et cetera. Just make it a little bit simple. We'll handle it all. <laughs> I think that's a great opportunity. I mean, great point because like where we started this is a lot of people coming into owning a brand have not done this before they don't really know the ins and outs so being able to just work with leaf is that's really really helpful for a lot of people in a peace yeah. of mind yeah i mean there's um it makes it a lot simpler right where you don't have to juggle through all the different contacts and things or like i placed this po with this supplier i gotta follow up here it's kind of like that's probably why people like to go on Amazon, right? Like I just bought all the things on amazon.com rather than Target and Nordstrom. And we're like, we're now you got to go find different tracking numbers. It just makes it a lot simpler to just have one place to go to that you can get your, all of your updates on all your different form factors from. Totally understand. I try to buy everything mm -hmm. on Amazon if I can, because it all shows up I know. 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's Amazon or like Target pickup. It's <laughs> like the only they know, two. Yeah, honestly, Amazon knows more about me, my family and us than literally, I think any other like intelligence agency or social media thing. Cause like you, you maybe you don't want to post on social media, but guess what? Amazon knows how old your kid is just by the stuff that you've been buying over the years. I know, and right? So, like, yeah, how does it always know that I'm have like one capsule left and I need to place a reorder? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I'd like to get back into ingredients real quick to see where leaf stands on some things. Like, um, I, I'm not sure if you have any like guidelines, but like for any, a new ingredient, let's say there, there's some herb out there or whatever. Like, do you need to see like generally recognized as safe? Does there need to be an NDI, a notification on, on every ingredient that you touch? Like how strict are you um, in terms of, like botanicals or then like certain synthetic ingredients like 100% yes there's 100%. zero black and white on that yeah okay so it has to have an NDI status. or yes yep and okay. grass status NDI we have a full documentation um requirement for a qualification of every ingredient that comes into leaf even if you're supplying it so let's say you uh, you found this material and you want to supply it, you don't want us to procure it that's fine, you can send to us, but prior to us accepting that order, I need to have all of these slew of documentation. Um, your grass status, everything up until the SDS, your nutritional information, your country of origin, um, your kosher you know, statements, um, your allergen statements, your documents, all of that. And that's just for the raw material, right? I also need to qualify the supplier. Like, is what's their manufacturing facility? Like our, our QC team is very, very detailed um, on ensuring that the product that we're receiving is the right one, but also, how is it made, right? What does that facility look like? Okay, and a follow-up. Do you currently have, you know, June of 2023, do you currently have a, stat, uh, a status on NMN since it does have an NDI, but then the FDA is trying to pull it back? Like, I'm not sure if you have gone over that as a team. Yeah, so where we've kind of stood, at least as for us as a manufacturer, is if it's up in the air with the FDA, we just have not, we don't, we don't want it to accept it as of now. Uh, gotcha. Until there is a same kind of thing where, um, you know, I know CBD was a big thing a few years ago. Um, we just don't work with CBD or NMN as of, as of right now until we have like a really set um, answer on what the direction is. We, if we may never get an answer on CBD. I know. <laughs> so, so, okay, it's, it's good to see where you stand. Like, I, obviously, I have my opinions on NMN, but, um, but you have to stay firm to what you want to do here. And you've... Uh, I would say you've probably lost a lot of potential business not touching CBD. So it's, hey, you know, that's cool to hear. There's, you you need, we need the Leaf Labs of the world out there doing their thing. So very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, 
unfortunate because obviously like the, the ingredients had a lot of science and it was just, it's, it, it is interesting, right, to kind of learn about. Um, uh, but yeah, just un not something that we dabble in as of right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. That was the only thing I wanted to wrap back into. So I appreciate it. Um, ben, I, I don't think you have any other questions either. I, no, this has been I'm really like uh, well encompassing, I thought, with like the whole manufacturing process, but also the the path of, of opening it's uh, your own brand. I think this has been really helpful for anyone who's just interested because they take pre-workout themselves or I'm sure we'll get a lot of hits on this for people looking to make their own company. So this has been really helpful. I think it's been uh, really just just the right of in depth. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you guys having me. And, you know, we're, we're excited here at LEAF. We're always looking for great new partners and, you know, to be involved in, you know, like minded people that are, are wanting to kind of um, bring education to this to this industry. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Mike, you have any last questions? Mike, you got anything? You no, thank you very on? much for your time. No, I think we're good. Cool. Where can we find Leaf and where can we find Meg on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, all stuff like that? So I think it's just at Leaf Labs and then mine is just at Meg.Liggett is my Instagram. Cool. Uh, are you guys all on LinkedIn as well? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then I think we also have the Beyond the Subs LinkedIn. No. Is it LinkedIn or is it is it um, all on social media? Okay. Yeah. So all Instagram. I don't know if we have TikTok though, but. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Meg. We'll talk to you soon. No, thanks. thanks. I'm super excited for this one. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun.